you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information about our center, or if you wish to make a donation, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. As I said before, I am Reverend Abigail Shire, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to this Miracle Worker Academy that we are experiencing over the next 12 weeks. And it was my idea to make it more of like an academy experience because I think that each and every one of us have within us what is inherent for a miracle to happen. But just like anything, we have to learn how to create the welcoming environment in order for it to happen. So what do we do? We go to an academy, we go to a school, we go to a, a, a teaching place where we learn how to put into place the things that we want to experience. And so I'm very excited about this book, 12 Conditions of Miracle, that we're doing the study on over these next 12 weeks. This is a drop-in course, and um, each week we'll look at one of the conditions. Today I'm going to speak a little bit more on each of the, uh, each of the conditions. And um, one thing you should know is that we are recording this for a podcast. So I hope that uh, in the future we can have this all roll out in a lovely podcast and people can listen to it. I will have a Q&A at the end of this, uh, which I will be not, we will not be actually putting on the podcast. But with that said, this book is written by Tom, Todd Michael. And um, he's actually a medical director of an emergency room and um, had a lot of enlightening experiences, which allowed him to tie in some of our ancient teachings of what he found in the Bible with metaphysics uh, and with what he found as what the alpha code is what he's calling it, on a way to create miracles in our lives. This is a book that was recommended to me by another minister, and I just started reading it. I'm reading it along with you, and I think it's wonderful. So I just want to welcome you all to Miracles Workers Academy. And what we'll do is we're going to look below the surface of what is said in the Bible and look at the idea of potential retranslation. And the reason why I say that is many of you may or may not know that the Bible is actually an encyclopedia of books. It's each chapter is a different book. It was written over a thousand years from the, from the first chapter to the last chapter. They're not put together in, in chronological order, the way the Bible is put together. And in, in this case, we're going to be looking at the book of Matthew and the story of Jesus and the loaves and fishes. And typically, a lot of American Bibles uh, go after the new international or the King James Version. And that version it went from Greek to Roman to probably several other different um, translations and then into English. So along the way, there was potentially different translators decided different things. And what we've read as Americans in English could be interpreted differently if you go back to the original Greek. So that's exactly what Todd Michael did, is he went back to the original Greek and he looked up translations of the different Greek words and he found a code 
within this book of Matthew, within the story of Jesus and the loaves of fishes that we're going to explore this week, these, these several weeks together. For instance, let's look at the idea of in the beginning was the word. Many people know those first words in the Bible. And in the Greek, if you were going to just translate word, you would translate the word to be logos. So in the beginning was the logos. Now, if you wanted to look at logos and you wanted to look at some translation of that, here's a couple of translations. You could actually, there's actually a document that has eight or nine pages of what this word means. But if you just wanted to, to distill it down into a couple of translations of what logos could mean, it could mean something that is thought and give rise, gives rise to form. It could mean motive, intent, question, reason, along with 20 or other translations. So think about that. Think about the idea where we could say, in the beginning was the thought that gave rise to form, or in the beginning was the motive, or in the beginning was the intent, or in the beginning was the question, or in the beginning was the reason, or in the beginning was a thought with a powerful potential, a creative intent that ultimately gave rise to the entire universe. Can you see how the looking at just that one word, you could have a, a, a much richer, fuller experience than just the idea of in the beginning was the word. So this is what Todd Michael did. He went back into this parable of this miracle that happened with Jesus and the loaves and the fishes. And he looked into the original Greek translations. And in the book, he, he gives a lot of the translations of what it could be translated to and then why he picked what he picked. But I'm not going to necessarily get into that. But you just you know that as we look over the storyline, that's what he did. And he found what he believes is a code that instructs us how to create miracles in our lives. And the interesting thing is, it's completely in alignment with uh, Science of Mind and Centers for Spiritual Living and what we teach in metaphysical, in metaphysical new thought movements. And so it's really interesting to me, this whole story. So I'm gonna tell you the story. We're gonna, I'm gonna have a little bit more conversation this week um, beforehand. And in the following weeks, I'll, I'll speak less and we'll, we'll talk more but I wanted to do a foundation for this 12 weeks so you kind of understand it. So here's the story that we're gonna go week by week and take it apart and have a retranslation of each week in order to understand what the 12 conditions of a miracle are. It goes like this. And hearing, Jesus withdrew from there in a boat into a desert place privately. And having heard, the crowd followed him on foot from the cities. And going out, Jesus saw a great crowd and was filled with pity toward them, and he healed the infirm of them. However, with evening coming, they came near to him, the disciples of him, saying, the desert is the place, and the hour is already gone by. Dismiss the crowds so that going away into the villages, they may buy for themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they need not have to go away. Give to them you to eat. But they said to him, 
not we have it here. And he said, we have five loaves and two fish. And he said, bear them to me here. And commanding the crowds to recline in the grass and taking the five loaves and two fishes, looking up into heaven, he blessed and broke. He gave the disciples the loaves, the disciples to the crowds and ate all and were satisfied. And they took the excess of the fragments, 12 hand baskets full. So this is the basic, that's kind of the, the, the base translation of the English version, um, obviously not translated into modern English. Um, <laughs> little, little awkward to, to speak about, but this is the base translation that we're gonna look at week by week. And so we're gonna go to the very first sentence, which was, and hearing, Jesus withdrew from there and a boat into the desert place privately. And having heard, the crowd followed him on foot to, from, from the cities. So think about this. Jesus went into the desert. Well, what is a desert? A desert has no food, no water, no shelter, no edible vegetation, no people, no politics, no arguments, no books, no words. A desert is a place of profound isolation. It's a place of silence. It's a place of emptiness. Basically, it's what we might refer to as a vacuum. Now, a vacuum is empty of all things. And according to the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle, he said nature abhors a vacuum. And he based this conclusion on the observation that nature requires every space to be filled with something, even if that something is colorless and odorless air. And in physics, when we talk about this, a vacuum, it means that if you remove everything, something has to fill the space. So it's, if, once you take everything out, as soon as you open up a, a vacuum, things rush in to fill it in. And a vacuum is always in tension with its surroundings. And the emptier the vacuum, the more powerful it is for its ability to attract. So the first idea is that miracles begin with emptiness. <laughs> and Todd Michael said, whenever a state of emptiness is uh, of, of Whenever a state of emptiness or lack is created, nature immediately mobilizes to fill it. And again, he also said, the emptier a vacuum, the more powerful its ability to attract. So in the book, he talks about considering even at the very beginning of, of this, this thing that we understand, if we're looking at the Big Bang, for instance, that the greatest of all miracles, the creation of the universe itself, before it became into being, before its burst, right? Pure emptiness existed. There was no space, there was no time, there was no matter. And the intelligent creative force that underlies all things was not satisfied with that and it intended to fill it. So thinking about that, the moment before is always emptiness. So the moment before the miracle is emptiness. And again, 
the words were, and hearing, Jesus withdrew from there in a boat into a desert privately. And by the way, the beginning of the words when it says, and hearing, uh, just before this happens, this miracle happens, he um, heard about the murder of his friend, John the Baptist. So he had actually just found out about the murder of his friend and, um, and he went out into the desert to be in a space of emptiness. And so often miracles often come just before, just, just after something traumatic as well. So now you don't have to have traumatic things in your life, but if you've had traumatic things in your life or you're going through a traumatic thing in your life right now, it's really great to understand that one of the catalyst miracles is some kind of a big change and transformation. And, and so there's, a, there's kind of a catalyst upon hearing Jesus did this thing. And then he went to the space to be private and alone. And, and really, now looking at the, the root words of the sentence, Todd Michael looks at this and he retranslates the sentence. And this is what he says. Jesus went away into the desert alone. There he withdrew his self or his ego by going down into a state of emptiness and inner stillness, a place or condition of pure potential. So think of it this way also. And this was another example from the book. He says, for a miracle worker, the conditions of a miracle are sequenced like the chambers of a powerful combustion engine. They move through a series of cycles. These cycles enable a miracle worker to consistently and reliably manifest what is needed and beneficial. So just think about this. If you go from step to step to step, that it provides everything possible for the miracle to come into your life. Now, the first step in the cycle is emptiness. So you need to go into the desert, more metaphorically, you don't actually have to go into a desert, but go someplace to set up a vacuum and put yourself in a position to experience good things flowing towards you. And this can be accomplished at two different levels. The first is, from the internal experience, and the second is from the external experience. So in the internal experience, going to the desert means going to a place within, emptying your mind of any thoughts. Basically, as Todd Michael said, making the effort to suspend your internal dialogue is a critical step in activating the first condition of a miracle. So the, the ability to access a meditative state is vital to the success of your dream and your miracle to come into being. And so it's really important to know that meditation, what meditation does is that it creates an avenue for information, for knowledge and for power to come into your life. So one of the homework, if you want some homework this week, I'm gonna have uh, two sets of homework, one for internal, one for external. And this week, I would encourage you to try and meditate 10 minutes a day. So some of you already meditate and that's great. Um, if you don't, I want you to try and meditate 10 minutes a day. This could be really easy. If you are working and you wanna say at, you know, I work from, from eight to noon, at 10 o'clock every day, take a 10 minute meditation break. 
just try, put it in your phone, put it in your calendar, and just try a 10 minute meditation break in the middle of the day or at lunch or sometime. It will completely change things for you. And if you don't know what to use, you can always go to Insight Timer. It's an app I use, it's free, it's on phones, and you can just find a 10 minute meditation. So that's the first thing to do is meditate 10 minutes a day. The second thing is working on the external. Now you need to give things away in order to help create flow in your life. One thing to know is that you can only receive what you're first willing to give out. And whatever you give out must return back to you. One thing I know is, is living in a world of lack and limitation that many of us have been trained that there's a limited amount of good in the world, a completely a, a short amount of good. For instance, it's more like if there's a pie, if I'm looking at a, a pie and um, I give half of the pie to Marilyn, then I only have half of the pie left. That's how we believe the universe works. But the truth is, if, if there's a pie and I give half the pie to Marilyn, I still have a whole pie. It doesn't make sense in our logical minds, but that's how the universe works because it's infinite, which means it's always creating. And so there's never any lack in the universe in the way that the spiritual world works. And we think it's like how our physical world works, but it's not physical, it's spiritual. And so there's an energetic, a way of circulation that happens in the world that is um, more powerful. And as a matter of fact, if I give something away, I actually end up with more. That's how it works. So the more I give away, the more I receive. It's, it's really, it's very confusing to people, but that's, that's how it works. It's like, I, and the other key thing is to think about, you can't give anything away that you don't already have. So, so in order to indicate to the universe, I am abundant. I got, I get to be the experience of abundance by being abundance out in the world. So you can't give it away unless you already have it. And so in the spiritual law is by giving more, we create a vacuum that draws more to us. By putting our good into circulation, we attract more of it back in our lives. And that's why we've been told not to judge, to, to not judge by appearances, because in order to explain miracles, we have to learn at some point to trust in divine circulation more, even more than we trust in like the circulation of our blood, right? We already believe, okay, the circulation of our blood is happening. I'm breathing in, there's a circulation, I'm breathing out, it's happening. It's, it's not just a belief, it's knowledge but we got to believe in the divine circulation even more than how our blood circulates. I have a really cool story that I love talking about. And it's a, the story about the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is uh, a place where it's um, uh, high salinity. So basically the, the salinity of the water makes it possible for nothing to grow. It's like, it's like salt, it's like pure salt. And then people can just float on the top of the water because the, our bodies weigh less with the salt. It's like too dense for our bodies to sink into. So 
it's, it's really interesting. But in the 1980s, there was a very slight change that happened. And there was a very rainy winter in the Dead Sea. And, and because of that rainy winter, there was a type of algae that sprung to life. And the normally dark blue sea turned red with algae. And this, this algae was actually, it, it fed on a certain type of bacteria that was not as vir virulent, but because of these rainstorms that it, it completely changed the salinity and the content of the Red Sea. And so the really interesting thing about this story is that just a little movement was required for a massive effect. Just a slight change, just a little bit of rain caused this huge algae bloom to happen. And so it's like for us, it, there's just a slight change in consciousness, just like with the salinity of the Dead Sea. It will allow a massive experience of miracles to happen in our life that since this point has been dormant. But my question to you is, are you going, how are you going to create flow in your life? So the, the opportunity here is to create flow, right? So asking yourself, am I clinging too fearfully to things? Do I give enough away to allow the channels of flow to keep open? Do I give anything away? One thing to think about is that money was made to circulate, not stagnate. So your homework, this is so that we have the internal homework, this is the external homework, is to give away some money to something or somebody that inspires you. Also clean out some of your clothes you don't use, give them away and give appreciation away to friends and family. So this week, that's your homework. So you're gonna meditate 10 minutes away, 10 minutes a day, give some money away, clean out some clothes and give appreciation away. So start this flow working in your life. The next key point that uh, Todd Michael had was miracles unfold not by magic, but by knowledge. So just thinking about this, like here I am and I'm expecting a miracle to happen. Like, oh my God, uh, I woke up today and now $3,000 is in my wallet that wasn't there yesterday. Well, that's not really how it works. Like what happens is you get inspired with an idea on how money can flow into your life. Or you might think, oh, here I am sitting in my couch, I'm jobless and um, somebody's just going to call me and offer a job, offer me a job. That's, that's also not how it works. What happens is you're, you make the space available and what's, what's thrust upon you is the idea or the inspiration or the urge to go out to a certain place where your job is already available to you. So you get inspired to look at the right newspaper or to call the right person or have that conversation with the right friend that causes all of the things to fall into place for you to get that perfect job. So it's not like you're passively sitting there. You're, it's it's, an, it's the, the knowledge, the inspiration comes through you and that's part of the miracle. Another thing to think of is, you know, your soulmate, well, I want my soulmate, I want the miracle of my soulmate to come, come to me. Well, they're not gonna just knock on your doorbell. What's gonna be, what's gonna happen is the miracle is that you'll be drawn to situation and circumstances that allow you to meet 
your soulmate. Or you might think, oh, well, the miracle is that I'm going to, my disease is going to heal. And uh, while you're thinking of, I'd like my disease to heal, meanwhile, you're, you're thinking negative thoughts about your body, you're abusing your body, so you're not creating the, the circumstances for the miracle to happen. But instead, maybe you'll come about to meet the right people or have the right situations to, to go about curing the disease. So these are the things that you need to do to activate the first condition of miracle. Your, your challenge, if you will so take it. The first thing is to begin to release some of your resources. The second thing is to be consistent and steady in your release. The third thing is to meditate. The fourth thing is to spend time in quiet, solitary places. Nature is awesome for this. I love nature. <laughs> Get yourself some nature. And the fifth thing is to exercise. So actually create some flow and movement in your body and in your life. So these are the ways that you can activate the first condition of a miracle, which is the condition of emptiness. So that is what we have for you today. And I know that as we look at this opportunity that each and every week we'll be examining again the conditions where miracles can happen in our lives. And I'd love it if as you're doing this throughout the weeks that you come back and you share miracles that happen along the way and things that happen as you create this opportunity in your life. So that's what I have for you this week. I am complete and I'm grateful for that. And so it is.